It is a Fairbanks Friday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Nick Fairbanks will be joining the show to give a little bit of a wellness check on the week that was for the Florida Panthers. And today's episode, because it is the week of free agency, we are going to give our way too early predictions based on the opening night lineup and the way too early predictions on who's going to make the playoffs all on today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into Friday, July 15th edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Armando Velez from pantherparkway.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at monoman 12 Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. And thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. Don't forget to also subscribe to Locked On NHL and the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast with Flip Livingstone and Still Roden, where they'll be covering all the offseason activities around the National Hockey League. So, Cats fans, uh, it's been still a strange week with uh, the Florida Panthers when we've spoken about what we thought was going to be more moves and as far as keeping the upcoming free agents for the Florida Panthers. And the thing is, we can't change what already happened. And it's, you know, sometimes you just got to move on. And it's unfortunate for, for the Panthers and for us as fans and everyone who covers the team. But it is a Fairbanks Friday edition of the show. Nick Fairbanks is off the IR and he is ready to, and I, I just saw your band team, Nick, uh, Amuse T. I just saw it a little bit previous as you were adjusting yourself. So, Nick, welcome back off the IR. Thank you for having me back, Armando. And, uh, yeah, it was a two-week stint. I'm uh, feeling great. And, uh, yeah, I have to rep Muse because they're actually going to be releasing a new song here in the next week that sounds killer. Sounds like they're old stuff, and uh, I'm really excited about it. But um, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Panthers hockey and what could be opening night. Well, so first of all, I want to get I want to get a wellness check out of you of the week that was for the Panthers. Um, we were expecting a Hornquist trade that didn't happen. We were mm-hmm. hoping to keep at least one of Mason Marchment or Claude Drew and none of them those happens. I want to give you the floor for a little bit and and what you think about losing both of them. So it's a tough pill to swallow, obviously. I mean, if you had to choose between both players, um, to me, it was a toss-up because you have a Wiley veteran and Giroux that, you know, basically um, helped the Panthers uh, get through the first round for the first time in over 20 years, um, you know, with his awesome pass over to Verhage. Um, but then you have a heart and soul guy who left it out on the ice every single shift in Mason Marchman and, uh, you know, uh, condolences to him and his family over the passing of his father. Um, you know, it was a tough toss up to who you wanted to keep. But at the end of the day, uh, Florida just wasn't able to make any moves as far as 
um, moving either Hornquist or, you know, we've talked about it, moving Bobrovsky's contract or anything like that, um, or even Mackenzie Weger. I'll just throw that out there. But, um, you know, just, you know, some things sometimes don't happen. Um, something that you really can't, you know, predict. But, you know, here we are and, uh, you know, we have to deal with what we have. And this is still a good playoff team. And uh, we'll see if the top players are going to be able to step up and take the next step uh, and help this franchise get to where it needs to go. And going back to the core, they've had opportunities to learn from veterans who have made stops here. We spoke mm-hmm. about Yarmory Yager in 2016. Now, now we had Claude Drew here in Sunrise for a uh, half a season. And though they did have their shortcomings in 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 this year this year i i i think this is also an opportunity for these guys to kind of learn from this experience and maybe this is a time for them to elevate even more i mean let's not forget that barkoff is entering his first year of his new deal and in the middle of his prime and huberto with a new contract of course we saw a career season with huberto just Mm -hmm short of the art ross and i of course i i spoke about it earlier in the week about how we have to temper our expectations a little lower as far as regular season success but again the more cracks you have at it the more opportunities you have to hopefully hoist the cup yeah and, and that's all you know a fan could ask for is you know once you get into the dancer you know the top eight you know anything can happen uh i think teams in the past have shown that but um, those teams has also shown the resolve to really grind down and dig deep and really play a certain way when it matters. Uh, unfortunately, last season, Florida was all run and gun and, you know, let's go down four or five goals and, you know, let's come back in epic fashion. But, you know, hopefully that changes this season. Hopefully it'll be a more of a complete game more defensively minded um, and that they can show that they can change um, instead of waiting for 70 games to pass and then decide to implement more of a defensive side of the game. But, you know, that's why they brought in Paul Maurice. Um, that's why they've signed the players that they have more depth players. Um, and I'm kind of, you know, excited to kind of see, you know, what the makeup of the team is going to be. I mean, you have a couple of storylines coming in. Is Uberdo going to sign a contract extension? What's going to happen with uh, Mackenzie Weger? Um, you know, how is um, Duke uh, not being in the lineup for the first half of the season going to affect the team? So, um, you know, a couple of things to look out for, but hopefully, you know, as, you know, the offseason, you know, turns out, you know, we'll get more answers and we'll be able to see the development of uh, younger players too, that hopefully can step in and uh, make an impact kind of like Anton Lundell did last season. And also I think of where I, I think about how some of the rumor mill was going around last week about how people might have seen the Florida Panthers regular season. And you, and you spoke about it, how going behind four or five goals and then coming coming back to win, but also the amount of overtime games that they had to win as well in the mm-hmm. regular season. And of course, three on three hockey with the Florida Panthers roster and their speed and just overall talent and more ice opened up. When you when you look at that, it's not not to toot our own horns of the team that we <laughs> cheer for, but you know, it, it's not a surprise seeing the amount of wins. But of course, all those minutes accumulated from all those overtime overtime ice time over the season might have 
tired them out. And like you said, more of a complete game that we're looking for as far as a 60 minute game defensive style. And it's funny, I asked this earlier in the offseason with Frank uh, saying, who are the real Florida Panthers as far as the offensive firepower that we saw in the regular season? only to switch their game to kind of a defensive style in the in the playoffs. And, of course, the offense was just non-existent there, and the power play mm-hmm. was, that was top five just all of a sudden disappeared. Maybe maybe we see more of that shift towards the other, other end. I mean, many teams have had to uh, change their game with playoff failures. I mean, we've spoken about it all offseason, but, hey, less overtime less overtime games uh for the Panthers and and more of those I am very okay with that yeah and uh don't don't get me wrong I mean some of those overtime games were just ridiculous I mean (laughs) I I can't tell you how many uh saucer passes I've seen from Uberto to Barkov or even to Duke uh for game winners it's just ridiculous how accurate and how smooth that is um you know, I, I think my two favorite ones are uh, one from Huberto from the board, sending it to Barkoff, and he goes backhand on Detroit. And then the second one, or actually my favorite favorite one, is Huberto sending it over to Barkoff and Barkoff just waiting out uh, Sorokin on the Islanders and just going far post and just tapping it in, where most players would actually just take possession of the puck and try to go to the near post. Um, that just shows you the skill level and the brain mentality that these players have. And um, you know, hopefully they can do that in the game instead of in overtime um, when it matters more. And, you know, hopefully Florida, like I said, you know, can put more of a complete game and not have to uh, muster more energy into overtime or shootouts. Yeah, um, for sure. And of course, we, we the Florida Panthers saw their fair share of 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 almost being goalied. Uh, we saw mm-hmm. James Reimer, uh, which one of them was the was the fake Michigan that Huberto had. I believe it was to Sam Bennett, if I don't if I remember yep. correctly. And another one was uh, John Gibson as well at home. And then they found a way to still get through. Um, and ho- hopefully we're we're looking more of the of it not getting to that point into into the game. And hey, it might require less wins. But hey, this this last year felt like a sprint for the Panthers all season. Now the mentality has to be marathon for, for this team because we, we, we don't want to see this team run out of gas. Yeah. And I think that's gotta be more of the mentality. Like, Hey, you know, we, we got past first round. I mean, you saw how the team reacted and like, Hey, we got over the hill that we were supposed to get over. And then unfortunately, you know, we, we saw the play afterwards in the second round. Um, hopefully the mentality is to say, Hey, we don't need to stress ourselves out during the regular season. Let's let's do what we need to to get into the playoffs and not show our hand uh, during the season. Um, you know, because that's honestly what Tampa did. Tampa seemed like they did just enough to maintain a two or three spot in, to get into the playoffs, and then turned it on. Um, you know, I feel like they were kind of lucky in the first round against Toronto. Toronto played fantastic. And then they really turned it on against us. <laughs> they uh, they left no stone unturned to make sure that they were going to get into the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, don't tie yourself out during the season. Make sure you know how you're going to play. Have that mentality. Have that you know that system in place so that when the playoffs start, you're ready to go. Mm. One other thing before we transition over to segment number two is a signing that the Panthers had. Um, they signed Rodolph Balsers to a one-year deal. 
um, from San Jose, having a uh, career high in goals uh, last season. So Riddell Fosters is yet the latest uh, um, signing for for the Panthers. In segment number two, we are going to discuss our way too early opening night lineup for the Florida Panthers. Nick and I are going to give our predictions on that, and we might have a few disagreements here, and and that's okay. So we'll talk about that more in the next segment here on Lockdown Panthers. But first, we're going to tell you all about Bet Online, and BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs. Excuse me, NHL offseason and major league baseball bet online is your continuous source for all your sport wagering information including live live betting esports and sports and betaline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season betaline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mma boxing and golf and with british open going on right now dustin johnson is currently uh, leading the the pack and Rory McIlroy is set to tee off at 9.59 uh, a.m. local time. So get your bets in at BetOnline if you are a betting person. Uh, head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Second segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast on this Fairbanks Friday edition of the show. So, Nick, this took me... This took me like a good 30 minutes to write down every single name as far as <laughs> line combos of who's going to, how this lineup is going to be because you factor in Duke being being placed on IR to start the season, losing Claude Drew, losing Mason Marchment. And of course, the defensive pairings were a little easier because of the amount of people under contract, goalies, of course. But I had a, I'm going to start off with, uh, let's start out. Let's break this in half as far as the forward forwards. Let's start off with the top six. My top six as far as forwards. Barkoff with Verhage and Sam Reinhart on the top line right now. Second line. Sam Bennett. Huberto on the left. And this is one I did not think we were going to see a few weeks ago. From fourth line, right wing, to second line, at least to start the season, Patrick Hornquist. What says you about that opening top six as far as that? Who do you have in the top six opening night? So that that kind of threw me for a curve. Um, not going to lie. So <laughs> first line, uh, you got to obviously keep uh, Verhage or Swaggy and Barkoff together. Um, you know, they, they, they just – they had that – uh, that gelling together. Um, this might throw you. Uh, I'm putting Dennis Sanko on the first line to start opening night. Uh, I think he has something. Yeah, I, I believe that this is his time to kind of prove what he has to offer. And this might be one of his last chances because I know he was rumored to be in packages for Claude Giroux last year. So let's see. And then on the second line, I have Huberto, Sam Bennett, and Colin White. Okay. Uh, I do have I do have Dennis Sanko making the opening night lineup. Mm-hmm. But I do not make it. I do not have him. I do not have him. I have him as a scratch for okay. opening night. But he's going to get his opportunities to play for um, this year. So there, you might inter interchange him with Lomberg, uh, Rudolph Balsers, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and one other, which I'm gonna, I'm gonna, 
wait until until mm-hmm. when, I, when I read the bottom six. All right. Third, um, bottom six, Anton Lundell. Mm-hmm. On his left wing, Nick Cousins. Mm-hmm. And on, the, on his right, Colin White. Okay. With the fourth line being Etulu Sterenen, Rodolph Balsers, and Cole Schwitt. And with, mm. because Anthony Duclair will start the season on IR, you're going to have to replace Duke with somebody on the lineup. So I put Cole Schwitt in that position. So my scratches for opening night would be Lomberg, Lucas Carlson, and Zenisenko. And the reason why I have Patrick Hornquist on that second line for now, and that could change later in the season, You, I think mm-hmm. you, you said you had Colin White on line number two and Zenisenko on number one. Yes. I think as far as the trust with that team, I think in in the time in the beginning of the season, there are going to be there's going to be a little bit of of okay, these guys are familiar with each other. So let me put Hornquist in that second line for now. Mm-hmm. I I understand where you're coming with that. I my big thing about Hornquist right now is his speed and what he's going to be able to do on the second line. Now you're going to have Hubie uh, basically controlling the play and you're going to have Bennett who is going to be like Trocek and he's going to drive the play uh, either with a puck or he's going to go straight to the net. And that really makes you wonder what Hornquist is going to do because Bennett's kind of taking his spot. So um, I'd rather have Colin White, who's more of a speedy winger kind of help out the play with that. So um, my bottom six I have Anton Lundell, uh, Nick Cousins on the left, and I have uh, Ryan Hart uh, on the right, uh, kind of keeping them paired together, uh, keeping that chemistry going, because I think Lundell needs that, and then also having uh, another uh, veteran winger uh, in Cousins. And then my fourth line, I do have E2-D2 or e 2 Luce to Reinen, uh, Lomberg, and Patrick Hornquist. Um, so I think that line has been together. I think that they could definitely uh, do some damage as far as like wearing down an opponent. Um, I think E2 Lewis Dreinen had a great playoff, and I think he proved himself to be a, a you know a bottom uh, line centerman. And then my scratches are actually going to be uh, Hepo Niemi, Balsers, and the new Finnish player that they picked up, uh, Lepchi. Mm. I didn't even have uh, Lepchi or Hepo Niemi uh, making the the opening night roster, but still plenty <laughs> of opportunities for. They're, they're going to really fight it out in camp. Uh, so, yep. we're, and, and listen, the, the right side, the, the wing, the, the right wing position is really going to be the hardest part to predict in this lineup. And I, if Andrew Burnett were still the coach of this team, mm-hmm. I could really see Patrick Hornquist staying on that fourth line um, with the, in, in the bottom. And I could see Rhino still being paired up with Anton Lundell. But I think with a system change, we could very well see um, in the beginning uh, Hornquist uh, being being in the second line in the, for the at least in the beginning. Defense pairings, I think this is – I don't think there's much of a deba- debate with this. Uh, Uyghur Ekblad to at least start the season. Mm-hmm. Orsling Montour. And then Mark Stahl – and Radko Gudas. I'm not sure if there will be any disagreements there. What says you about that opening night roster as far as the deep pairings? Yeah, I think it will be Ekblad and Uyghur, but I do have a feeling that Maurice is going to split them up. Um, so, I mean, I, I will stick with Uyghur and Ekblad. Um, this one, I am going to make a switch. I do think it is going to be um, Forsling and Gudas. 
on the second pairing, even though Gouda's kind of was towards the end of the season and in the playoffs is kind of showing his age a little bit. Um, and then I'm actually going to go, who, who else do we got here? Um, I'm probably going to go with Lucas Carlson and Brandon Montour on the third pairing with uh, Mark Stahl being the scratch mm-hmm. or the seventh D man. Yeah. And there's a, let's also not forget that they do have a defenseman on the, uh, that they signed to an ELC earlier in the off season in Cal Sajan. Um, so they have mm-hmm. an opportunity to bring him up and down. So uh, Carlson could be fighting uh, with Sajan uh, for that se- for that seventh defenseman spot in in the lineup. So lots of camp battles in order to in order to determine who's going to make this lineup. And you know, competition's a great thing for the for this uh, for this team. We had we had a whole bunch in in the last few years, and 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 the great thing about it is the opening night roster for this team the majority of the team is still there of course there's no marchment uh there as, and we're just comparing opening night roster mm-hmm. um they're they're still coming off a trade of just acquiring sam reinhardt and sam reinhardt remember remember what what was said in the first six games of the season about sam reinhardt one point in six games and then mm-hmm. he, he was basically a point for um point a game player the rest of the way so i think i'm i'm I think with the comfort that Sam Reinhardt has with this team now, I think we're going to see an even better start for Rhino come opening night next season. I certainly hope so. I mean, I, I do believe in the adage that there are some players that do start slow. I mean, you see it in baseball where there's just some players that do not like playing in the cold. Um, I guess that's just something that I've noticed uh, being from Chicago, you know, some players being for the White Sox or the Cubs that for whatever reason, the month of April, just doesn't work. They don't like the cold. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Rhino actually adapts to being with the team after a year and uh, see if he comes out uh, with the same fire that he did um, towards the later part of the season, uh, scoring a lot of goals and assisting on uh, a lot of uh, power play uh, opportunities. But um, it'll just, to me, it's going to be interesting how the lines are going to be juggled, what Maurice has planned, uh, because he did say he didn't want to put a cap or put a brakes on the offense and everything. So um, you know, maybe he doesn't change it up too much, but maybe he changes up the defense a little bit to make sure that the structure is there and they're minding their gaps a little bit better than they did. Mm. And um, of course, this this goes without being said as well as um, goalies, Bobrovsky and Knight, same thing as last season mm-hmm. um, as uh, to fill out the lineup. So, um, so in the next segment, we are going to discuss our way too early playoff predictions uh, for the Eastern Conference uh, ahead on this Fairbanks Friday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Third and final segment here on the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I got Nick Fairbanks here from pantherparkway.com on this Fairbanks Friday edition of the show. And Nick, um, here's some betting odds actually for, for the Panthers. I mean, I know free agency was a really tough day to swallow and it felt like the sky was falling for the Panthers a bit. And m- mm-hmm. there were even some people who were saying that the Florida Panthers are not going to make the playoffs next year because they lost all these pieces. Relax everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so betting odds as far as uh, multiple re- sources, resources out there still have Florida in the top five of betting odds to win the Stanley cup. Uh, Vegas Insider has it at plus uh, 1,100. Uh, BetMGM plus 1,000. 
Caesar Sportsbook plus twelve hundred, DraftKings eight eight fifty, FanDuel mm-hmm. thirteen thirteen plus thirteen hundred. So there's still many many opportunities there. I but weirdly our own sponsor Bet Online doesn't have uh, NHL futures uh, just yet. So we'll update <laughs> you. we'll update it as it gets closer to the season. But if betting li- if bet the bet the betting lines still have Florida in the top five. It's it's a little harder when we are covering this every single day and it's our team thinking the, that the sky is quote unquote falling. Sometimes we get got to take a little bit of a step back and say, this is still a good team. It is. And uh, I, I'm going to be 100% honest. I've only bet maybe once in my life. I mean, I do fantasy football and everything. And I understand that that's a form of betting, but not in the same respect of, you know, putting up odds and everything. But um, the odds don't really matter to me. I mean, I know Colorado was the favorite last season and, you know, it proved to be, you know, the right bet. But I think with hockey, there's so many variables and so many things that go into it. Um, this league has so much parity that, you know, you could probably lay a bet on any team and, you know, you'd probably have, you know, you could really, you know, end up winning a lot of money or you could be like me when you bet the Panthers a couple of seasons ago and win absolutely nothing. Uh, I think they barely made the playoffs that season. Um, so it just goes to show you that, you know, the league, you know, it, it, you have to really know something or you really have to really believe in the team that you're putting money on uh, in order to do that. But um, as far as the playoffs go, um, to be honest, I really don't see much change in some of the teams that are going to be in the playoffs next season. So I'm actually kind of interested to see, you know, what teams you have in the East, um, if any change at all. Let's start. Let's start easy um, okay. with our own division that, that the Panthers play in. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's much change as far as Toronto, Florida, and Tampa Bay. I think the um, I I could very well see the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the division, and it could be uh, Florida, Toronto in round one. I'm not sure if Toronto is a division champion um, next year, especially with their goalie situation. I Matt Murray does have a better defense in front of him, mm-hmm. Whew, but that goalie situation in Toronto is like still a very big question mark so so i i still think those are the three teams in the atlantic yeah kind of uh confusing that they didn't want to pay uh campbell five million dollars yet they're going to pay matt murray and uh i think Ilya samsonov the same amount of money uh to be their backstop so i don't know i i would have trusted campbell giving him the money uh to you know just solidify that position but um you know starting with our division i i do have the leafs winning the division uh, just because I think that they could play the style that the Panthers are playing all season where they can outscore everybody. Um, yeah. And they could, yeah, I mean, it just, it doesn't matter. So I think that they can outscore their problems. And then I do have the Tampa Bay lightning uh, as a second seed. And then I do have the Panthers coming in the third seed. So you could definitely see a Florida and Tampa series in the first round once again. And um, to round it out, I do see Boston squeaking in again. Um, I know that, you know, towards the end of the season when they got rid of their coach, they didn't know Bergeron was coming back. Um, they didn't know who was going to be on the team, uh, but it sounds like Krejci's coming back. Boston, for whatever reason, just will never go away. Uh, so I, I'm going to put them as the final team in the Atlantic to make the playoffs. I don't have Boston in. <laughs> That's fine. I, I have a I have a different one. So let's start with the Metro. Metro uh, for 
uh, for who who could be in. Uh, I Carolina had a great uh, offseason. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I even though it, it's funny because they got Max Pacioretty for basically nothing. Got some draft picks for Tony D'Angelo's uh, deal. Uh, they also got uh, Brett Burns as well, a, vet, a, a veteran. Uh, on their team so they 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 got some experience along with uh getting some draft capital back and a former they got a former captain as as part of their team pittsburgh i know they're getting older but they never ever go away 16 straight years in the, in the postseason i don't know what nhl hockey is without seeing malkin latang and crosby together making the postseason i don't think they win a playoff round but I think they're they're still going to be in. And I think this team is primed to make a comeback after the season that they had last year in the New York Islanders, especially if they have a chance to sign Nazem Kadri. They still have the cap space, and they don't. And the New York Islanders don't have that many expiring contracts, and with a lot of cap space to go with it, that they can sign Matt Barzell even next season. So I think that that is a good opportunity for the New York Islanders to, to, and, and of course this, I, I'm, I, of course with, with the injuries and their arena situation with the road games that they had early in the season, I think that they're primed to make another, another run back. And I don't have what, I don't have Washington. I don't have Washington making the playoffs next year. <laughs> So I think that's honestly where we're going to differ. Um, these are in no order, but um, I do have Pittsburgh because uh, I, I put them on the level of Boston. Like you said, they just never go away. Um, they always find a way or they always exceed expectations. Uh, I do have the New York Rangers back in it. I don't think um, Gerard Gallant is going to allow that team to uh, back down after their successful season. I think they're going to make the playoffs once again. Obviously, you can't leave out Carolina because that's another team that just consistently makes the playoffs and uh, makes some noise. Um, and I do have the Washington Capitals making the playoffs again. Um, I know that Nick Backstrom's probably not going to be playing um, maybe at all this season just because of the injuries that he has. But um, I think the fact that you have Alex Ovechkin in there, you have some other players that they just signed um, that I think will help them. Um, and I think the fact that they were able to play the Panthers so well in the first period or the first round of the uh, playoffs last season kind of showed them that, Hey, like maybe we don't need to be, um, you know, as you know, we don't have to score as much as we do and we can actually play more of a defensive tough game and they can grind that out during the season. So, um, I don't think the Islanders are going to make it because I just don't, I don't see them having enough firepower. I think they put a lot of their eggs in the basket for Johnny Gaudreau, and they just couldn't make it happen. Um, and on top of that, I think their goaltending outside of Sorokin is going to be, um, you know, suspect. And their defense, let's see what happens. Um, I mean, they, they built a really good uh, top six, but at the same time, you know, if they're not scoring goals, then, you know, what, what's going to happen with that team? Mm-hmm. And this is me. This is me just um, thinking that Nazem Kadri could could get to um, get to New York. Ho- hopefully for 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 him and him him getting his payday. It's funny because a, a team out west that still hasn't really spent that needs to get to the cap floor is Anaheim. And could they be in on someone like John Klimberg or even Nazem Kadri? But I'm I, but Nazem Kadri wants to win. I know he has a cup, so he wants to 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 win. Uh, as far as 
as I, I don't have, I still do. I, I don't have Washington making it because also Tom Wilson's not um, going to be playing for a while, even though they did get Darcy Kemper, Darcy Kemper didn't look the best in the playoffs, but also prior to be, being on the Colorado avalanche, Darcy Kemper was actually pretty good for being on a really bad Arizona coyotes team. So maybe this is a position for Darcy Kemper to even have a better individual season this year on a better, um, uh, well, not a better team, but, uh, but now that he has his payday, so maybe, maybe that's an opportunity for Kemper. As far as wild card spots, New, New York is New York strange uh, for, for me. I, I still think they're in. I just think that Vincent Trocek deal is going to be hurt late, later on in the contract. In the beginning, I think it's a better replacement for Andrew Kopp for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think Detroit is going to fall short, um, short of, of the playoffs uh, for at least for one more season. My last, my last team in, and I think I may, I might be drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too hard on this one. I think, I think, I think the Ottawa Senators could make it in that last spot. And I I think, I'm not sure if it's hype for what they're, for everything, all the moves that they're doing, but Pierre Doyen might not, might have accelerated and their, their rebuild and what he said last season about the rebuild being over. It might, it might very well be. I gotta, I gotta word this the right way, but um, it, it probably helps that there's probably a different ownership group or a different person at the helm right now. That's going to yeah. allow him to do the things that he needs to do in order to put the franchise, a good product on the ice. So the fact that they were able to sign like Claude Giroux, they're trade, they're able to trade for DeBrinket, which was a steal in my Absolute opinion. Steal. Uh, the fact that Brandon Hagel garnered more than to bring it a 40 goal score is crazy to me. Um, so y- you have these pieces and we talked about it, that they could be a sleeper team. Absolutely. I, I honestly could see them battling it out for a last playoff spot. Um, Detroit is still a year or two away. I mean, as Steve Yajman said that, you know, they asked him how, how, uh, you know, what, how far are you away in the rebuild? And he's like, well, I had a five-year plan and we're in year three. We're in year three, like that. He was deadpan just saying that, uh, just making sure that everybody understood like, Hey, we're still building, but I did put some pieces together to kind of accelerate, um, you know, where the forwards need to be. So, um, as far as the, the wild cards go, yeah, I do have Boston. I do have the capitals in those spots. Um, so I, I know I'd mentioned them already, but I just, I, I have a feeling as those teams get older and everything, it's going to be harder for them to keep up with the top three teams in those divisions. Mm-hmm. And the Senators just yesterday uh, extended Josh Norris. And you look at that trade with Ottawa and San Jose, and it looks worse and worse every day. And mm-hmm. Timmy Stutzla is part of it. It's funny, R- Rodolph Balsers was part of that trade as well. Um, he, he, he was placed on waivers uh, from Ottawa and then reclaimed by San Jose. So he went back for a second stint with them. So mm-hmm. of course, San Jose will take their victory laps where they can get them. But that trade, man, uh, and which ended up being the third overall pick, and then uh, and then the awful contract that San Jose has with Eric Carlson, who's basically at this point in his career playing with one leg, it's mm-hmm. it's just a it's just looking like a a great trade. And you like you said, a steal with the DeBrinket trade. And you talked about Brandon Hagel um, getting more of a return. Than to bring it, 
I think of another trade just last offseason with Buffalo about how they were, got more for Rasmus Ristolainen than they did for Sam Reinhart as well. So it's funny because us <laughs> fans on the outside see how, how is this player getting more of a return than this? It's like you, you wonder if these GMs are looking back at their own previous trades and say, hey, I got a trade for this X player. My expectations are going to continue to be here. Yeah, and I, I also think that the trade deadline also drives prices up. Obviously, this was a it was a buyer's market last um, off or last uh, trade deadline. Um, so I, I can understand where Brian or um, Brandon Hagel got a little bit more because it was in a pinch. It was in a vacuum where Tampa wanted to make the deal, and now you did Chicago have to trade to bring it? Did they have to? Could they have held on to him for another season or at least signed him to maybe another bridge deal? Uh, to get him over to see if, you know, he was going to be a part of the core going forward. But, um, you know, I think it allowed other teams to kind of, you know, basically dwindle down that asking price saying, hey, yeah, we'll trade you the seventh overall pick or whatever. And, you know, a couple of other, uh, you know, prospects or picks and everything. But maybe he should have traded him at the trade deadline. He would have got a ton for him. But at the same time, um, you know, Pass is the past, and, you know, Chicago's tearing it completely down. They're going for the first overall pick next season, and uh, this is probably the best way to do it. Here's another thing. You, you talk about asking price being higher around the trade deadline because emotions get in mm-hmm. the way when there's games being played, and, and you're seeing what's ahead. While you're in the offseason, you still have a few months to get some practices and battle it out in camp. Um, talk to these agents more when things are more slowed down Mm -hmm. so the asking prices might not be as uh as high and who knows they could have held on to Debrinka at least for next uh trade deadline as well I mean he he had he had some um he had a little bit of uh he he hasn't had an he doesn't he doesn't need to have an extension just yet neither so I I just I, I don't know what Kyle Davidson is thinking as far as is this going to be the highest that that the the asking price is going to be because when you're in the middle of trade deadline season, not all the picks are set in stone. And Kyle Davidson was looking, of course, for a top fifteen, um, top five pick, and of course, it didn't go well with New Jersey as tra- far as trying to trade with them, and it, it's crazy uh, because you don't. Once again, those draft picks are not set in stone and emotions get high. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, we saw it with Bill Zito. He put all his chips in and he went for it. So that was the emotion. That was the intent. That was the mindset that he had. And I'm pretty sure other GMs had that in mind too. I mean, Tampa Bay took on Hagel and they gave up uh, a lot for him. And, you know, he did pay off, uh, you know, in the regular season and a little bit in the playoffs. But, um, you know, it's kind of like a reset in the off season. Yeah. You're going to spend a lot of money on free agents because you're negotiating against, against other teams, but you're not negotiating against another GM as far as like what you're going to give up for a player uh, to win the cup. It's a little bit more modest. So it, it's just interesting to me when you see a trade happen in the off season, you start to think like, Hey, maybe the GMs thought that they could get more. And then when cooler heads prevailed, no, they probably, Walked off or walked off their uh, asking price um, just because nobody else was going to give them the package that they were going to get during the trade deadline. Which, to be honest with you, I if, if I was a GM, 
and I was looking to rebuild, I'd be looking to trade probably most of my high-end players during the trade deadline and to solidify getting more prospects and more picks to take advantage of that emotion or for those teams that are going for it. Mm. And next trade de- trade deadline, we are on Patrick Kane watch. That's for sure. <laughs> that's the biggest, yeah. biggest name. That's for sure. <laughs> but Nick, I want to thank you for joining on this uh, Fairbanks Friday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Yeah, and uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's great to be back back from the IR. Uh, everybody can follow me at Prudentia Zero on Twitter and also can follow my work on uh, PantherParkway.com. So, uh, Armando, thank you again for having me back. Absolutely, and I'll see you next Friday. Yes, sir. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to also subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Studio Roden. We'll be covering all the off-season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. So I'm Armando Velez with Nick Fairbanks. And you've been listening to Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're your team every day. <laughs>